Welcome to Littoral, a podcast from the literary shores of the Hudson, part of the River River Writers Circle, a nonprofit arts organization in New York. Find us online at riverriver.org. Well, I'm so pleased to be joined today by singer songwriter artist Richard Maldonado, whom I met at the Nyack Farmers Market back at the beginning of August. And we're here at the Nyack Boat Club having this conversation. I usually record in the mornings, and so you almost at the beginning and end of every track, you hear bird song because mm -hmm. they're right outside the studio there. Mm -hmm. So there's that kind of thing in them. And I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. want to get the polished kind of production finish on them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's spoken just like a river poet. <laughs> it's, you know, why, why polish off the things that are making it so beautiful? Yeah, that's part of the, yeah, it's part of it for me. You know, a lot of my writing is based in nature and the environment. Garden of Love, the next album, is love song centric, but it, it, mm -hmm. the, the real title is Garden of Love, Weeds and All, is the real title. Oh, good. Kind nice. of being in the Northeast, it's the kind of fruit of the area, I think. Yeah. Any particular type of apple, any type of, any variety? Fuji's my favorite, I think. Fuji apple. It's, yeah. Well, I was working for a farmer for a long time, selling produce at the farmer's markets before oh. I was singing at them. <laughs> Here in New York, or? Yeah. Nice. Well, how did you get, you know, from kind of working for the farmers to working for the music? It was actually a very subtle transition. Working for the farmers markets was a second career. Started talking with one of the farmer's sons who was running a stand, and he happened to be a philosophy teacher. Mm -hmm. And we got into these long conversations. We spent an hour or two talking. Whoever was helping him was saying, you know, you got to kind of work a little bit here, but he was a, the farmer's son, so he kind of got to do what he wanted to. But we started work, we started talking a lot, and he eventually said, you're here all the time. Do you want to work? I could use somebody to help me. And I started doing that. And then I eventually started running some of the different markets for them. I One of the decisions in that point in my life was to get back into music, so um, I started to teach myself guitar. And mm -hmm. I would bring it to the market when there was downtime. I'd just sit on the back of the truck and play guitar. People seemed to enjoy that a little bit. Then I got to my limits of um, selling uh, produce mm -hmm. and decided not to do that anymore. But I, one of the markets I started working, which was a, the closest one to me in Haverstraw, I was kind of invested in it being there. It was a local market. I liked the community. The community's needs a market there for them. They really mm -hmm. need to have access to good food. So I w did whatever I could to try and keep the market going, whatever, you know, whatever support I could by just helping out, helping mm -hmm. the other farmers set up and whatnot. And at one point it seemed like the market was pretty dead, quiet, you know, just not mm -hmm. a lot of energy in it. And I said to the manager, if you want, and it's all right with you, I'd like to be able to busk here and just try and add some energy to the market. She said, yeah, that'd be great. I did that for a month or two and got a little worn out. Mm -hmm. I, it was a little hard still dealing with people and, and, uh, um, and playing. I wasn't a very good player and mm -hmm. I was just was learning, but I was just mm -hmm. trying to add some kind of energy. So I stopped there and took a little break and then just worked on playing, trying to learn to play learned to write. I was composing all my own stuff. I was not much for playing covers or other people's stuff. So mm -hmm. that was all instrumentals. I was just learning, composing. And then I came to the Nyack market. In their winter market, they didn't have any musicians at the time. And it was mm -hmm. the same kind of thing. I really liked the market and I really wanted some energy going. So I offered 
to play acoustically, just mm -hmm. kind of add some energy. And the market manager there, uh, Pam Moskowitz, was really supportive. She said, sure, come, come do that, we'll try it and see. And I played quietly in the corner, mm -hmm. and it, I guess it added something. Um, so that was in the winter time, and then that following summer she actually offered me a spot, a regular spot, to play at the mm -hmm. markets. During the summer market? Yeah. Okay. I ended up doing a winter market, and I've done one full winter and one full summer market for them. So who was the manager at the Haverstraw market? At that time, Emily Dominguez, who's also, I think, the deputy mayor of Haverstraw Village. Okay. And she was very supportive, too, of what you were... Yeah, she had just taken over the role of market manager. We had gone through a real a time when the market was really thriving and there was a lot going on. And, and then, it, as markets do, it kind of swang back down again. Where was that, or is that market located? Is it right down in the main... Yeah, right in Haverstraw Village, across from the Village Hall. Okay. In, the, in a parking lot, the big parking lot there. Okay. Um, it's a very small market, um, but it seems important to the local community. For the people who don't have cars, you can walk downtown mm -hmm. and pick up stuff. It makes it so that the village, which is a lot of Hispanic and immigrant people there, mm -hmm. have access to good fresh food. I know as a member of the community mm -hmm. how valuable it is. Give us the other side. The farmer that I first worked for at Harrowstraw had been doing that market for 10 or so years time, and it's not a real big money-making market, mm -hmm. but farmers, they're invested in it for love and in, mm -hmm. in a very, it's a very uh, dysfunctional kind of relationship because it's hard work and mm -hmm. they're constantly trying to make money and do well, mm -hmm. but it's kind of not ever going to be that, you know, it's mm -hmm. just not the nature of that business, and not in small farms. Mm -hmm. So they're interesting a lot, you know, usually very smart fairly articulate people. Most farmers are actually pretty well-read or, or pretty intelligent people. Mm -hmm. But they seem to be invested in their communities, their part in providing for people. Yeah, and I think it's been true of all the farmers I've met. Yeah, well, you know, the one with the philosopher's son, and, yeah. you know, they have yeah. that whole season in which nothing's growing right. to read. But I love thinking, you know, of, of you and your work as a songwriter, kind of bridging those two sets of people. You've got hmm. the farmers who are really so much of the ground of the region mm -hmm. and then the community, those of us who are moving around and... Yeah, I think kind of always had this kind of role. I, in my professional life, previously I worked in the arts and entertainment industry. A designer, I, I did mostly as lighting design but also stage handing early on and, and production stuff. So I got to work around the artists and I was like the same kind of place right between the artist and the audience mm -hmm. and it's kind of nice because you get to know both sides you get to see both sides of it and mm -hmm. I think it's for me it's made uh, a very nice kind of position for which to like write from because I'm watching you kind of live as an observer as opposed to a part of it mm -hmm. and you can kind of step in and take part when you want to here mm -hmm. and there either side I've been able to um, see things from both sides. Well, so you said that you began with just playing instrumental and, and your own compositions. Mm -hmm. When did you cross over into using lyrics and writing? About a year into it. I've loved music all my life. I've been, you know, 
active active audience member for music all my life, and I've always worked around music as a lighting person um, in in performance. I've kind of focused mostly on dance and, and music. I'm sensitive to it, so it, it, I was able to execute my craft better because of that. But I never formally uh, studied. Uh, when I decided to take up guitar, it was because I'd always kind of seen one around or been in proximity of them, but always been challenged by them. I decided at this point in my life I was going to try and do something that I really wanted to do. And one of the things I wanted to learn was to play. And I couldn't play at all. I mean, I couldn't form the basic open chords that everybody plays, you know. I mm -hmm. couldn't do things like Twinkle Little Star or anything. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. My wife actually found a guitar that kind of met the criteria that I was kind of looking for, for shape. And I, but there was still one thing that was really challenging. So I listened to some music uh, from some European players, uh, a guy named uh, Pierre Ben Suzanne and a guy named Tony McManus, who are both instrumentalists, who use the Dadgad tuning, which is an alternate tuning from the standard tuning guitar. Um, and my first favorite musician for guitar was a guy named Michael Hedges born in Oklahoma but kind of became a California kid in the uh, mid-80s became the kind of premier finger-tapping style guitarist and really uh, kind of took guitar playing to a different level. I had classical styles and jazz styles and, and rock and roll and all kinds of crazy things into it and hyper-acoustic guitars. They're, they're, they're amplified but, but um, they're acoustic guitars. The most beautiful composition, his album, Aerial Boundaries, is like my desert island disc. I can listen to that album for the rest of my life. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. It's, it's really a gorgeous album. So that's the kind of style I wanted to. The open tunings allowed me to like start with one string at a time and just play a note, find a melody line, because the guitar just is tuned so that it just sounds good when you throw it on the bed. You know, it just, it just resonates beautifully. So that allowed me to get some dexterity in my hands and eventually learn to play the chords. And once I got to doing that for about a year, I transitioned back into standard tuning and was able to do those chords that I never could do before because I had gotten some articulation in my hands. I started just composing in, in instrumentals as well too, but I had a few things happen in my life that made me want to write them down to find some mm -hmm. expression. I love songwriting. I think a friend of mine has always kind of prompted me to try and write in a long form, and I've never really taken to it. I've tried to keep journals and things, and I, I tried keeping a blog for a while. It just felt a little self-involved. I needed to focus, and it's like, wow, if you could write a song, it's three minutes. Really, it's not that hard <laughs> if you can do that, you know. And early on, I like when I was young, Robert Frost was my favorite poet. Very accessible. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Yeah, but it's good, yeah. It's very accessible, but it's, it, it's, but it's great. You know, that's part of why it's great. I wanted to find some way of expressing some of the things that have, I'd gone through in my life, some of the changes I got. So I just decided to try and start, start with a song. Just get you know, a two-minute song. If you can just try and write something mm -hmm. straight through simple, basic chords, just do it as an exercise. Once I was able to complete that, and like, well, it's not terrible. And I did it, and it's like, well, let's try again. And I kept trying, I kept mm -hmm. trying, and things expanded. Um, yeah. that's, that's good to have a positive way of speaking to yourself about it. It's like, that was good. Mm. Now next. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people I find teaching creative writing, they don't have that 
they write something and then they immediately start to put it down. Mm. So it's it's wonderful to hear that you had that sort of sort of inner thread of, you know, give yourself the compliment and then go on to the next thing and, and write more. I've listened to a lot of different artists uh, for all different kinds of, you listen to artists everywhere and they, and they all have something to say that will work for any artist. One of the things that I learned early on is that it takes work and another thing that I kind of came through and twist around to my own uh, understanding was in the beginning you're gonna suck it's gonna mm -hmm. sound terrible everything whether I'm writing or, or, or building something it's gonna be bad it should be bad and you should give yourself permission to be terrible because it takes the work put in to become good you yeah yeah exactly it takes work it takes work yeah, yeah. all those myths about people like the Beatles or you know any any artist that they're just amazingly great it it kind of discounts all the hours of work that you put in uh, and and just f focused focused work you know it just um, I think that's one of the things editing just going at it you know mm -hmm. I, I think people sometimes don't understand how much work is involved with trying to get to an end product, whether it's uh, a, a craft or an art form, it, it takes work. Mm -hmm. Well, I think because when we have a finished product, it looks mm. so like it just mm -hmm. magically, you know, mm. when we do it well, it's, it's like magic and you don't see all of the work and headache that came before. So do you remember the very first song that you wrote? You know, I was trying to figure that out. I know some of the early ones I did instrumentally, which I kind of can't even play anymore, but I, I think one of the first ones I wrote, there are two possibilities. One was a song called You and Me that I wrote about my wife and I and our life and our house. It was just like, oh, I need a topic. This is it. Let's mm -hmm. kind of talk on that. And then the other one was a piece called uh, "Knocked Down," which was uh, it was a story about an incident that happened to me here, sailing on Hudson River, where I kind of came close to dying that day. I was on sailing, winter sailing on Hudson once, and I and uh, I had gotten away from my big full displacement boat, which is a nice, heavy, solid keel, and I was sailing a, a, a centerboard boat, which is you need. They're different kind of things to to. To work, and I really wasn't that good at uh, small boat sailing. And uh, and it was a gusty day, and I broke all my rules, which was not to stick to my sail plan for the day. And I went out farther, and and when it was supposed to be a one or two hour sail, ended up being ten hours on the water, um, ending with me being in the water and oh, realizing boy. this was the day I was not going to this this was how I was going to go, which was okay because I always said. If I died sailing, it would be all right. Oh my! And I thought, well, oh, here it is. This is today. <laughs> I ended up getting out. Emergency services came. Rescue diver uh, emergency suit came in, and we oh both boy. got to the edge. And I got out, and I had hypothermia just to the edge of organs shutting down, and uh, kind of went, wow, okay, kind of. That's. I feel different now. Yeah, the the river song got into you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a real way, but that promoted um, writing that song, oh uh, knocked down, so that I could kind of with catharsis, you know, trying yeah. to formulate what happened and keep it keep it in my mind. Because I know my my memory, I don't have a great memory, and things change 
And so I kind of look back and I'll relate to friends or family go, do you remember this? And they're like, well, it wasn't exactly that way. I'm like, hmm. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to document this one. That was the song that came from that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it was a happy ending. And how was the song? Was the song I, the I like, of it? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a good song. I played it a lot for a while. I use music and songwriting as like kind of a meditation. Um, at one point I decided to try and use song as meditation because mm -hmm. there are certain things that I want to think about every day. Mm -hmm. And you can just, you can sit and you can say a prayer if you want to or recite a meditation or you can just stand and, and read something you've written. It's a little, it gets a little, it feels strange to me just to read the words that I've thought and written. Mm -hmm. Singing a song every day, nobody thinks odd about that. You can do it in public and, mm -hmm. and nobody would think twice about it. So uh, some songs I've written are that kind of um, meditation that I do daily. It's really interesting. I was just listening um, yesterday to a podcast, um, you know, Hidden Brain on mm. NPR. Mm. And um, they had uh, a psychologist, psychology researcher talking about kind of the management of um, terror of death mm. and the way that people manage that, you know, what, what it does to us when we bring um, a memory of, of our mortality mm -hmm. into our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just a fascinating study. So, you know, coming back to podcasts and, and mindfulness and, yeah. you know, it sounds like that practice of having written that song and keeping it kind of fresh by, by singing it, experiencing mm -hmm. it. Is, is something that's just part of your artistic practice? It very much is. I, most this, I have a song I sing every day that's to my son who's 27 years in, in Afghanistan right now, 27 years mm -hmm. old, and he's over there. And um, I don't agree with his choice to be in the military, um, but it's what he's doing, and I think about him. And um, that song's kind of... <coughs> a, I think about him every time I, I play it. I play it every morning, um, and it's part of my daily practice. There are songs that I sing every day as a way to keep myself kind of grounded or oriented. So I get up in the morning, see what direction the sun's coming up, and mm -hmm. sing these songs, and that kind of puts my head in tune with where the sun is, and, mm -hmm. and I go from there. Um, yeah, the sun and your son. Yeah, yeah. yes, very yeah. much so, both of them. Yeah. So does he does he have a favorite song of yours? No, I, real strange <laughs> relationship with him. He's never acknowledged my music, which is strange. His mother, uh, is, uh, who uh, we divorced uh, you know, when he was two, kind of really enjoyed the first album I put out, gave me praise for that. But he's never acknowledged it. I've written a couple songs for him and for his wife now as well too. But um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I think that's part of what I realized about finally being an artist. Uh, for most of my life, you know, I worked as an artist as, as a designer, a lighting designer, and that was a support art. So there was always somebody else's project I was being a part of. I was there to make an actress, a singer, or a dance group, uh, or a soloist look better. So it was, I was trying to put my art on top of theirs, and I had to very much be focused on what they're doing. With what I'm doing now, it's all me. It's, it's just, it's exactly what I want to say, how I want to say it. And 
I kind of have to do that without regard for how it's received. The lyrics I write, they're all mine, and they're not necessarily written for other people to like or dislike or... I can't get my affirmation from the outside, it's got to come from me. A great guitarist, Andy McKee, was putting a quote today on Facebook about Rick Ocasek, lead singer for the Cars, who just yeah. passed away. Yeah, right? I heard about that. The quote was him basically saying, my idea of success is whether I feel like, whether I like a song I've written. If I can write a song and I like it, then I'm successful. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're giving so many inspiring pieces for, for listeners. I just want to thank you, like oh. kind of in the middle of this. It's like, thank you. <laughs> this is really great. It is amazing. It constantly amazes me just how, how much art you can fit yeah. in just one square mile. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's the reason I moved to Nyack, actually. I was living, I lived in the city, I'm not a city person. I wanted to find some place outside of it I could move to. And a friend one day said, you know, there's this really cool town up the river. You should go check it out. Nyack. What kind of name is Nyack? It's kind of weird. <laughs> oh, Indian name. Came up here and went, this is it. This is great. Moved up as soon as I could. Okay. About 30 years ago. It means that it really connected. Here you yeah. are. This is your place. Yeah. Nice. Tell me a little bit more about your recordings. So you have an oh. album. What's what's the title? Where can we get it? Um, the album's called Summer Sessions uh, 2018, and it's just a simple. Uh, I had not set out to do recordings, but because we live in this amazing age where technology is so accessible to us and, and such high quality. Uh, just having a Mac computer and uh, iTunes and uh, I got a small microphone to record with and I could actually do some decent recordings. Um, and there are a lot of uh, platforms in which to put your music out. I have been playing at the market and I've written a bunch of songs. Playing at the market's a little strange because I don't do cover songs. So at the markets, it's cover music. Everybody's playing stuff that people want to hear. and. I'm only doing my original stuff, and when Pam asked me to play, I made sure she knew. I said, this is just my stuff. It's all I'm going to do. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. And we've heard it. We like it. Summer Sessions 2018 was a collection of the songs that I, had, that I play at the markets. Mm -hmm. So it was the first attempt to try and put that down. I kind of set up a studio in my uh, garage slash boat shop, now became a music studio recorded those there. And I've got two more albums on the way. Uh, one's a collection of boat songs, sea songs. And, oh, and, lovely. <laughs> uh, and that's going to be called Heart at Sea. Another one called Garden of Love, which is kind of the, the stuff I've written since. Uh, but yeah, Summer Sessions is out. It's available on as a, a CD. Remember those things. So that's yeah. available on Bandcamp. Okay. Um, uh, Great. And, yeah. Yeah. So, do you have a website? Um, you said you wrote a I, blog, and I have a blog that I keep on blogspot.com, and it's called the Bookshop Music Studios at .blogspot.com. On Bandcamp, you can search for my name or Summer Sessions 2018 to get the album there. Um, the blog is my ambition is to do really low-fi, you know, kind of stuff. I want to put out stuff that's recorded well and sounds good, but stuff that almost any of us could do, right? Because mm -hmm. we really can. The technology is available. So 
the, what you can get on your phone these days for recording quality is really pretty good. Yeah, it's just lo-fi, kind of easy going. For the production level, this mm -hmm. is one of my CDs. This is actually for you. Oh, um, thank you. But it's, I'm in the perfect time for it because you can do that. You, can you don't even have to have CDs. You don't have to have a plastic mm -hmm. CD. You can just do it all digitally, too. But I have a few people in the market seem to like buying those. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, guilty. I, I like CDs in my car. Yeah. I like so. vinyl as well as CDs and, <laughs> and uh, all of it. Although these days the iPhone is playing all the time. Yeah, it's, it was a surprise. Like the, the mm -hmm. I only made the album actually because people at the market started asking for recordings of my music, which kind of blew me away because I was like, you want to hear this again? <laughs> like, okay. And then... Um, in like in a week, I decided, okay, I'll, I'll do the recordings, and I got recordings, printed CDs, and got onto Bandcamp and uploaded. It's like, oh, I just produced an, I just produced an album. How the hell did that happen? You know, because like as a kid, you kind of go, oh, maybe someday I'd be a rock and roll star. And I'm like, well, that's not the, but this is, you know, what you get in your life is never what you dreamed it would be, but it can oftentimes be so much sweeter because you didn't imagine it. Right, mm -hmm. it was something beyond outside of that. Yeah, and yeah. this has kind of been that for me. So yeah, like organic apples. Organic apples. There you go. We've got. I planted in the property we have. I planted. Uh, it's just. Uh, it's less than an acre yard. One, two, three, four apple trees on there. One of them I started from a seed. Really. And two years ago, we got the first fruit from that, and that was pretty awesome. Don't know what kind it is because they don't yeah. they don't do that right. They're right. Always different. Yeah. But it was good. It was kind of close to a close to a wine sap, I think. Okay. I have two wine saps at Granny Smith, and then then mine, my little Frankenstein tree. So I just want to say I I also love Pam at the Nyack Farmers Market. It's great. She it's has great. been so supportive of yeah. us at River River coming down and doing our flash poetry events. Yeah. And you know, which is, you know, it's it's a little kooky. We're not, you know, typing up Robert Frost. <laughs> we're, <laughs> yeah, we're writing our own stuff. Yeah. But, you know, based on the energy and um, the, the people who are walking around in the market, taking prompts from them mm -hmm. as, as to what we write, it was just one of those beautiful moments that I got to write a poem for you mm -hmm. and then to be so surprised that you wrote a song that was sort of inspired by and interacting with, with that poem was, it was just such a delight. It was one of those Nyack artist moments. Yeah, it really was. It's, it, it's great that she does kind of nurture that, the possibility of that in, in that farmer's market, you know. Mm -hmm. She um, has River River there. Um, she has other teachers, educators, who are also creative educators. Most farmers markets are challenged to have a musician show up. Every Thursday, she has four different musicians playing. It's like a mini festival, you know, every Thursday when she's there. And, and it's pretty exceptional what she's done in that sense. The way you were describing the flash poetry kind of I think, uh, undersells it. I think it's a really great thing to have because I think a lot of people are challenged by poetry. Some people feel it's kind of the domain of the educated, the higher educated. Unless you're talking about nursery rhymes or, you know, closest I think most people get is pop music. I subscribe to uh, a few literary publications and the poetry can be fairly inaccessible. 
for anybody out who's who's not well versed in it and or doesn't know the artist in particular, the writer in particular. And I think that like the flash poetry allows people to uh, adore in, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be high art. I think art should be something everybody does and takes part of, and it should be common. It should be something that happens every day, all the time. And I think that kind of helps people in that direction. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with you. That's why we show up, really, to make it accessible. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it was, that, that was great. I, then that poem you wrote was, was uh, <laughs> it, it was lovely. It was really lovely. It kind of touched on a lot of themes that kind of uh, are dear to me in, in that. Thanks. So maybe I should read it, and um, you know, that way we have that along with your sure. beautiful performance. So this is untitled, but for Richard. The dog is shopping for that light pat on the head. Who has the freshest, sweetest, juiciest word of praise here in the village? It might be the musician, stirring the sky, the mountain, the community into oneness. She wags her tail and smiles. It's lovely. Thank you. Thank you for inspiring it. Oh, well. The, the market's a great setting. You know, the dogs are actually a big deal to me in the market. It's always really great you have that in there because it was one of the, the two things I key into at the market are that I get outside affirmation from mostly or I look for are from the dogs and the children mm -hmm. in the markets because they're honest. It's a little bit more pure, their reactions and emotion. Mm -hmm. So they can always, and if I can get a dog and a kid to smile and kind of just look in awe for a minute, then it's made my day. So. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're trying to target people who like to write mm -hmm. <laughs> and people who like to read. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, part of it, I think, is just if, if we are, as editors, present in the market, mm -hmm. we're not as scary. People are scared of editors. It's unfortunate. You know, hmm. we're, we're actually very nice people <laughs> who just <laughs> want to, you know, produce but something that... centuries of... Right. I know. Right. Right. So part of it is, is public, um, you know, uh, just kind of changing the, um, the perception. Perception, yeah. Um, so, so it's the, the editors, mm -hmm. but also perception of poets, you know, as yeah. we said. It's, it's really, um, you know, because I, I come from, yes, I went and got the degree. Yes, I, you know, have written criticism, and it's it is very intellectual work. Mm -hmm. It's it's not um, it's not something that a lot of people are interested in, but, but but I think people are very interested in what is you know the content of poetry. Mm -hmm. And so if we come with our physical presence and with machines with which we can put together something that mm -hmm. you know is take away with you yeah that you can yeah. take with you. It, it brings that, you know, that, that presence of poetry that people are just, yeah. you know, so thirsty for. And, you know, it just brings it near. I, yeah. So, so it's, it serves both, you know. It's like we're, we're um, bringing the, the journal forward because we're hoping that people are a little less shy about sending us work. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also, it also kind of comes the other way where we experience, you know, we as editors kind of living in this, place on this landscape, mm -hmm. we experience kind of what it is that people are thirsty for 
and then we take that back to our curation of the journal. Mm -hmm. So it's um, that's 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 two different kind of audiences or two two different focuses, right? One, mm -hmm. the writers that come in to submit and to try and be a part of the publication, and then also an audience for those writers, right? So mm -hmm. the two different, yeah. very different focuses or, or, mm -hmm. or tasks, I guess, to right. try and overcome and probably very different uh, means to get to each one as well. Too. Well, not necessarily. It's just, you know, you're there with a typewriter <laughs> and you write a poem or you invite them to write a poem and you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's the same method. There's two kinds of stories to tell The difference between heaven and hell There's ones that you hope will come true And others you hope never do There's two kinds of stories to tell Two kinds of stories to tell One word for many The offer you made is you set to and they're under a shade Your hair fell like shadows on the back of your dress And the ink fell like shadows on the page Shadows and stories on the page There's two kinds of stories to tell There's a difference between heaven and hell There's ones that you hope will come true Spark, and the other leaves you in the dark. 
Thank you so much for talking with us today. I feel like our listeners are so blessed to get so much inspiration from you and, and your process and your philosophy on being an artist. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Littoral, our podcast, the audio sister of our journal, River River, where you can also find out about upcoming writing salons, readings, and local literary events at riverriver.org.